Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the show. My name is Ben Bolin. I am in charge of all the tape dispensers at HowStuffWorks. Very good. My name is Scott Benjamin, and I'm the auto editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Tape dispensers. Yeah. Oh, how is yours doing? Uh, <laughs> Did you get the A17? I need a refill. Okay. All right. Thank we'll, you. We'll take care Mine's of that. Mine's not sticky enough. I need uh, need stickier tape. Well, we just got a new shipment in. Yeah, so fantastic. So good. Yeah, I'm sorry about that non-adhesive tape. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> it's just, I'm going to start using Velcro anyways. It was on sale. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, gosh, how do we segue into this? Well, I, we don't. We I'll don't. just say, guess what? What? We are going to be talking about something uh, maybe not so high speed today, really, but uh, mm-hmm. equally interesting. I think you're going to stick around. I've got some interesting numbers for you. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Ben, this is one that you want to talk about because uh, it's an alternate method of travel. And we've talked about a lot of different alternate methods of travel before. Yes, sir. Uh, we talk about... Um, we talk about boats and motorcycles mm-hmm. and cars and trucks and uh, rocket sleds and planes, all kinds of things. Helicopters, planes, exactly. Yeah. So uh, this does fit right in, I think. But um, tell us what we're uh, what we're thinking about here. It's something that a lot of people never think about. I did not think about this. Uh, we're talking about cargo ships, container ships, not just the ships themselves, which we'll go into. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, what we're going to talk about is how to travel via cargo ship. Uh, very good. Very Which good. is crazy, but you can totally do it. Isn't that amazing? Spoiler I mean, it, alert. So it's not like, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you know, it's not like, um, um, it's not like you're on a, a luxury yacht because we see those all the time. Right. But these are often bigger than mm. a luxury yacht is. I mean, even, even the monsters that we see now that are out there, like the Oasis of the Seas, mm-hmm. that's a huge ship. These are, uh, you know, lower, of course, but they, uh, they're longer, right? Yes. So, like, what type of size are we talking about when you're talking about a, an, an ocean-going vessel. Yeah, okay. We've got – well, this is weird because we're going to take it really big for a second, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, now, if we did, we should divide some of this because some people say cargo, some people say freight, and um, there's a difference here. Like um, 
the difference is mainly in why the goods are being carried and how they're being paid for. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, that doesn't concern us quite as much. Um, but uh, <clears throat> what we can start to build with when we're talking about the size is the uh, the categories of um, the categories fall into uh, several big divisions. There's a couple different ways to divide them. Um, but there's like, for instance, with dry cargo, you have a carrier that is uh, about 20,000 tons of what they call dead weight. Okay. So dead weight, not holding anything. Okay. And then um, that goes up, uh, that goes all the way up, but I, I don't want to spoil it yet. So oh. let, me, let, me, uh, let me just tell you, we'll build it up this way, because you're going to be surprised by how they measure size. Okay. It's nuts. All right, so some here's some big size groups. There's the um, handy or handy max, and these you see, uh, these are rather common for certain types. Um, they have less than sixty thousand uh, dead weight tons, and they operate uh, all across the the global trade system. One reason it's easy to, hit, or it's not as difficult as you might think to hitch a ride on these cargo ships is that even today, 90% of the world's trade is carried by sea. Um, 90%? 90. Really? Well, yeah, think about it. We have globalization, man. We eat wow. apples that come from other countries. You know, Apples come from like Kazakhstan or whatever. Yeah, and, well, I was amazed. I, I yeah, had no idea it was 90%. 90%. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on trains as well. And, wow. and so, tractor trailers. Yeah, because I, I would think that it would be mostly over the road type hauling, uh, you know, intercontinental. Yeah, uh, is that the right is that the right word? Yeah, it's, intercontinental. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I'm surprised. I, I, I just had no idea that there was that much traffic on the oceans. Yeah, and that's uh, let's see, that's of about 2007. Wow. Um, no, and, I, I know that a lot of I mean, all the cars that are manufactured overseas that get here come yeah. come via uh, cargo ship. Yeah, they don't float. No, so. and you know what? I, I remember reading some stories that you know if these ships get caught in storms unexpectedly, they don't have the uh, the leveling systems, the uh, the ballast, the ballast that that the cruise ships do. They often take the full brunt of the storm. Yes, sir. And I know that they're enormous, and sometimes they don't feel all of the you know the the uh, the heavy seas yeah. because of the weight. You know, right, that, that, right. A, that a yacht would, or not a yacht, but it's a just cruise the, ship would the be. scale too. But um, if the if the ship is in heavy enough sea that it lists, mm-hmm. that's what they call it, right? Lists. Yes. Yeah, lists to one side. Um, it can damage every single car that's inside that uh, inside that ship. And I've seen entire cargo ships full of BMWs that have damage to you know one right front corner. You know, every mm-hmm. one of them because uh, they all they all rock the certain direction and hit the hit yep. the edge of the ship really. Which has got to be um, nerve-wracking. Oh, my gosh. Can if you you're imagine? a car dealer, can the, you imagine? Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, you hear about a storm coming across the Atlantic, and then uh, you've got a, a shipment of cars coming from Germany. Yeah. Um, boy, you just kind of hope for the best, I guess. And in, in that yeah. case, they lost hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of cars. But it's still – it's a really good point you just made about the size versus mm-hmm. the size of the ocean. Yeah. Let's keep going up, man. Mm. I'll just pick it up. Uh, let's keep going up. Just to give you a perspective, Scott, here's another idea of the size. Uh, the, uh, there's a size group called Panamax, which means the largest acceptable size to go through the Panama Canal. Oh, okay. Makes sense. I mean, that makes sense, yeah. right? Um, so you can't, your length can't be longer than 275 meters. Um, and this applies both the freighters hauling, you know, c- cars and other kind of cargo and tankers. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, and then 
the size of that ship in dead weight tons is about 65,000 or so. Okay. Um, so let's go a little bit higher. Let's go to, uh, Aframax, a, a tanker, uh, that's between 75,000 and 115,000 dead weight tons. Um, that's the largest size. It's called Aframax. Uh, Afra stands for average freight rate assessment tankers. Okay. Um, so it's it, that's a standardized size, but that's what we're looking for. And then there's the Suez Max, and you see the pattern here. Yeah, I do. The yeah. biggest, the biggest thing you can put through the uh, Suez Canal. Okay. Um, now it's increased. It used to be eighty thousand. It went up to one hundred fifty thousand deadweight tons in seventy five. Uh, what they did? Dredge the canal? Yeah, they made the canal bigger. <laughs> really? Is that yeah. right? I was yeah, just yeah, kidding. They did. No. Okay. Yeah, they did. So that's interesting. They've got the standardized uh, ship size based on where they can ship it in the world, right? And it gets bigger. Oh, okay. If get, when it gets bigger, there are only uh, two kinds of – really two kinds of groups that we're talking about. There's something called Very Large Crude Carriers, or VLCC, and that's 150,000 deadweight tons to 320,000. Wow. Huge. That's big. Yeah. Those are the ones that don't really get um, – don't really feel the brunt of those yeah. sea storms sometimes. Yeah, is, that, is that the kind that you see? Um, you know when you see um, train cars stacked yeah. up on top of each other? It looks like a giant uh, Lego building or something that's built on the, the, the deck of the ship. Oh, yeah. That you know was, what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, they're, those, they're are, those are actually high. freight. Those aren't going to – Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, gotcha. But there's another kind that's even bigger, and this is called ultra-large crude carriers. The minimum there is 300,000 deadweight tons. The upper limit is 550,000 deadweight tons. Whoa. So this is the stuff that carries the oil from the Persian Gulf to, you know, Europe and East Asia and goes around uh, the African Cape of Good Hope. 550,000. Whoa. That's huge. Enormous. Huge. And um, let's see. Where, where else do we want to go with this? Oh, you know what? I got to bow to your area of expertise, man. How do they move these things? Ah, That's yes. the question. Now, here, this is something interesting that I, I think you're going to dig the numbers on this, really. And uh, this is one of those things where you're going to be able to find the photos online, and you're going to want to uh, find them online because these are incredible. Uh, when you when you look at the engines that, that power something as large as what Ben was just talking about with uh, what is it, 550,000 tons. Mm-hmm. Takes a huge engine to move something like that through the water, as you can imagine. Um, there's a, there's one particular maker that I've got here that that builds the. I've got the example of the, the the most powerful diesel engine in the world, or the world's largest combustion engine, whatever you want to look at it as. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a company called uh, Wurzilla Sulzer. Oh wait, I probably screwed that up. Wurzilla Sulzer. Close enough, right? Hope Solzer. Yeah, we got it. Um, they make an engine, uh, the RTA 96C engines, which are turbocharged two-stroke diesel engines. Which is weird. That is kind of weird. It's counterintuitive at the very it least. It is, yeah, yeah. They make these huge turbocharged two-stroke diesel engines. Now, until you see these photos, I don't know if you can even fathom the size that we're talking about here. The, these engines are, well, they're huge. They're, they're absolutely enormous. They're, they're bigger than a house. They're ginormous. Yeah, they are. They really are. And and the cool thing about the uh, the sites that we went to to find this information, they've got photos of uh, you know the workers building these engines. Yeah. And it looks like uh, you know one of those Disney movies where they shrink everything down. You know, like <laughs> you've, you've 
Honey, I've Shrunk the Kids type yeah. movie. On these, these people are working inside the engine and on the engine and around the engine. Mm-hmm. It, this thing is like it's like four stories tall. The engine, yeah. it's that big. So when they're working on the crankshaft, there's a ladder that goes down into the oil pan. That's how big this thing is on every single crank throw. So there's going to be 14 ladders on this thing. Um, okay, let's let's get into the the dimensions of this thing, and I'll give you an idea of yeah, what's, yeah, what's yeah. going on. But um, and I'm I'm going to tell you about fuel consumption in a minute too. All right. Um, this will give you an idea. All right. The the size of these things, like I mentioned, the height of the engine. Now this is a. Uh, I'm going to give you stats for a 14-cylinder engine. They also make a 6, 8, 10, and 12-cylinder engine. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. there's a 14-cylinder engine, uh, inline engine, or all inline that this company makes. And um, 44 feet high is how big they are. So that's four, about four and a half stories high. Um, they are 80, 89 feet long, this engine is. Um, the total engine weight, it weighs 2,300 tons. So it weighs uh, 2,300 tons. The crankshaft alone weighs 300 tons, the crankshaft. So you've got – I've got photos of these guys working on the crankshaft. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. And the, uh, the throws, like we mentioned this just a minute ago, but um, every single place where there's a, a crankshaft throw, which is where you know the offset part of the mm-hmm. engine swings around, um, there are two ladders on each side of that throw. That lead down into the sump, and and that's big enough for a, a man or two men to crawl down inside. Wow. These are these are enormous yeah. machines. I mean, it, it it really does look like someone shrunk all these people that are working on this mm-hmm. thing. It's crazy. Um, now we'll talk about the power. Um, well, I guess we can still talk about size because each cylinder um, is about. Let's see, the bore, the cylinder bore, so the width of the the piston. Yeah. At the top of it is three feet two inches across. So every single piston is. Three feet two inches across, which is about as big as the table that we're sitting at. Yeah, we're sitting. At- <laughs> yeah, uh, it's too big. Yeah, you know what? It's probably it may be bigger than this even. Yeah. Um, and the stroke of this piston, so the distance that it travels from the top of the cylinder to the bottom of the cylinder, mm-hmm. um, eight feet two inches. That's how far the cylinder travels. So this three feet wide wow. cylinder travel or three feet wide piston travels eight more than eight feet up and down you don't want to be hanging out there no you don't no you don't but it runs very slowly compared to a, a typical engine it runs 20 times slower than a standard two liter engine so you've got real real low revolutions and this thing has very little wear uh the, each of the pistons are attached to what they call a, call a crosshead and the crosshead rides inside of a, a vertical channel it's kind of a guide and so that that means when the crank is spinning, it's it's actually um, turning. Well, it's actually it's connected to the piston eventually, but through this crosshead design. And the crosshead allows the piston to just remain in an up and down motion. Uh, the crosshead takes some of that uh, that sideways motion away from the crank because you know there'd be a point uh, where it's yeah. left and right, you know, as, mm-hmm. it, as it's going through its cycle. So. Um, it, it allows for much less piston wear um, because it's just that straight up and down motion. There's none of the sideways motion that's typically found in, in a mm-hmm. standard, I guess, internal combustion engine. Um, another thing interesting about the uh, the in- interior of this is that the pistons have these these large holes cut in them. If you look at the pistons, they've got several. I don't know how many. That looks mm-hmm. like a hundred in each one. They're huge. On the bottom of the piston, it allows oil to uh, to be shot into the piston itself. It cools the piston from the inside. So that, uh, you know, because a lot of heat is generated in this thing. Yeah. Um, but the oil cools the internals of the piston in order to keep it from uh, generating too much heat and, of course, loss of energy mm-hmm. and, you know, I guess just lifespan of the piston as well. So these things uh, show relatively very little wear, uh, even though they're, you know, put to use constantly throughout the year. I mean, they're just right. continuously going. And um, <laughs> that's another thing we should probably talk about is um, how much it costs to run these things. 
Yeah, let's get to that because uh, everybody, astute li- <laughs> listeners, will notice that uh, Scott and I pointed out they are diesel engines. Yeah, they are diesel engines. Now, each cylinder, you got to remember this, this each cylinder, this is a 14-cylinder engine, mm-hmm. each single one displaces 111, 143 cubic inches of, of, well, it's di- of displacement. Um, that's about 1,820 liters. For each cylinder of the fourteen, so now when you every single every time. single exactly that's every single piston on a fourteen cylinder engine, every single revolution. So okay. you're talking about uh, you know the the top. You can't really do this comparison really, but mm-hmm. just to give you an idea, I think a Dodge Viper engine right now, huge V10 engine, you know, in a yeah. sports car. That's something like eight point three liters or something like that. I think mm-hmm. this is <laughs> this is displacing. 1,820 liters of, of in every single 14 piston. times. Exactly. 14 times every single time around. They're moving a lot of stuff. So, okay. So the, anyways, it, it, uh, it produces 7,780 horsepower per cylinder. Per cylinder. Did it, you look stunned. Well, it's just. Per cylinder. I'm, I'm thinking maybe this <laughs> is actually uh, faster than we thought because maybe, maybe mm. when there's nothing on them. Yeah. They're hauling. Yeah. Well, you know what? They're probably faster, but I don't know about the actual no, top speed not. of these I'm, things. I'm joking. It varies. So, you know, but I'm just giving you the the, uh, the engine specs on this. Yeah. Thing. Um, so the total displacement for this whole thing, when you when you multiply that by 14, yeah, comes out to one million five hundred fifty six thousand two cubic inches of displacement, which is about twenty five thousand four hundred eighty liters for the 14 cylinder engine, which is. Uh, I mean, what com- what's comparable? You know what I mean? There's there's nothing comparable. There's, this is this is just this is huge. This is huge. This is the biggest. This is the biggest um, internal combustion engine that's being built right now. They mm-hmm. may come up with something bigger, but uh, for right now, this is the biggest one. Again, twenty five thousand four hundred eighty mm-hmm. liters of displacement. Oh, also, and, oh, I'm sorry. Oh no, I've got I've go. got numbers for this if you want. Run them. Okay, this is uh this this to me was really interesting. I'll go through them quick and we can get back to uh, I love the to traveling because um now I went to a site where they uh they had talked to somebody from the, the company and they were figuring out, you know, all these uh how much the displacement, how much it would cost to burn yeah. you know, the fuel for this amount of time. The uh, this is worked out on a basis of crude oil being a cost of seventy two dollars a barrel. Okay. Okay, so we're talking barrels of fuel at this yeah, point. Not, yeah. Okay, so crude oil, seventy two dollars a barrel, okay. So the 12, okay, we'll mention the 12 cylinder here, but the 12 cylinder engine, um, delivers about 90,000 horsepower at 100 revs per minute. So like I said, it's a slow revving engine. Right. 100 revs per minute. That's all this thing runs at. It runs really, really slowly, but it's very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at the best fuel economy, um, it's running at 53,244 horsepower at 90 RPM. So if they back it down, just 10 RPMs per minute, you know, 10 revolutions per minute. Yeah. Um, it backs down nearly 40,000 horsepower. It loses that much. Wow. So, um, you know, at maximum, it's at 90,000 horsepower to 100 revs. Um, now, for the 14-cylinder engine, which is what we're going to talk about here for the, the fuel economy numbers. <laughs> fuel economy. That's funny. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you can even say it that way. The fuel consumption. How's that? Because it's, it's big. Uh, the 14-cylinder engine... Uh, with a displacement of, you know, 25,480 liters, uh, burns up to 1,660 gallons of crude oil every hour. Every One, hour. Every hour. 1,660 gallons of crude oil every hour. So if you take that, that gallon, uh, 
per hour burning, uh, the rate mm-hmm. of ga- uh, burn. So 1,660 uh, per hour, that equals 39.5 barrels of crude oil, okay? Because you're talking gallons, barrels, okay? Right. So that's 39.5 barrels of crude oil that's used every hour, and the cost of that at $72 a barrel would be $2,884. An hour. Uh, I'm sorry, $2,844. Uh, every hour that the engine runs, which is um, or 27.6 gallons, uh, which is that's you know in an hour, yeah. which is about 46 dollars every minute or 76 cents every second that engine is operating. 76 cents every second. 76 cents every second or 46 dollars every minute that wow. it operates. Or if you want to go back to the hour, yeah, 2,844 dollars an hour. That's unbelievable. And when we're talking about how long these engines run, mm-hmm. well, you were going to talk about this in a moment for like, right. you know, how, how long does it take to make a trip in something like this? Yeah, uh, a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there it takes, yeah, it takes on the order of a month, you know. Um, oh my gosh. So and they're a running, month is a short one. So they're running 30 days, 24 hours a day. Right. At a, a cost of $2,844 an hour. Pacific is a big ocean, man. That's it. Just keeps going. <laughs> oh my gosh, the the numbers are just they're astronomical. Staggering. So that's yeah. the way, that's where you get your uh, you know some of the numbers when you're buying a car. I guess is they come from <laughs> yeah, shipping right. and destination charges. Sure, uh, you can you can see why some of those are often hundreds, mm-hmm. if not over a thousand dollars in some cases. Before we move on, I got to tell you, I did hunt down. I was uh, readers may have noticed me shuffling through my notes or listeners rather, but. Uh, I got the uh, biggest ship container classes, container ship classes. Mm-hmm. Um, the big ones are the Emma Maersk, which is uh, – they're running like 397.7 meters, about 398 meters, mm-hmm. which I'm not going to put into feet, but uh, just a little courtesy, I guess, to our non-foot users. Sure. Yep. We've had uh, that request in the past, haven't we? Yeah, and we're we're trying to make everybody happy, you know. <laughs> yeah, just on this one. So, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> we'll, do it on, we'll do it on others. So here's the thing: you would think that you can't you can't travel on one of these because it's like, oh my god, two grand an hour. How on earth am I am I going to pay for that? However, you're not footing the bill for the full. You're not. No, no, fuel. not at all. The people who are shipping things are going. So. um you what you can do is that there are several places that you can uh, even is as simple as going online um, and trying to chart out your tour and we'll talk about some pros and cons real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's one of the things: uh, the average price, if you for a lot of people, a lot of different um, online resources say that you should bargain with the average price of between about eighty to one hundred fifty dollars a day. Oh, okay. Which is you know. That versus seventy six cents a second. Yeah, I would say that's pretty uh, good. It's quite a bargain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so wait a minute. Yeah. Are you expected to work while you're on board? Because, not at uh, all. No, not at all. You don't work on it. So this is a working ship, but you're there just. Uh, you are a paid. You're passenger. on your sun deck. Work on the great American novel if you must. You really? know, catch up on your reading. Okay. Take some photographs they, of the wildlife. What if you wanted to? Could you even do it? Um. I don't think so. I don't think they would do because these are trained professionals yeah. who spend their lives doing this kind of stuff. Oh, good point. Good the best point. way you could probably help is, I mean, don't be still away and also stay out of the way. Yeah. But here's the thing, Scott. You can travel anywhere that these ports exist. Any any port of call. So the world, right? Uh, like Sydney, New York, uh, Los Angeles, uh, Toledo, Ohio, Singapore. 
You know, to, yeah, maybe <laughs> Toledo, right? <laughs> no, 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 really. So you, you can, guys you can, drop me off in LA. You can travel. <laughs> you can travel the whole world on a on a freighter, basically by yourself, right? I mean, what, what kind? Right. What are the accommodations like? Well, Scott, it's excellent timing for you to ask. Uh, I'm, I'm kidding. I had to dig through my notes. <laughs> Stop for a second. Um, Very good. All right, so they're. And I'm quoting here. Uh, they're. Equal to or better than the deluxe accommodations on cruise ships. Wait, better than a cruise ship? Really? You get a fridge. Um, you might get a television. Who knows? But you know, if you're traveling this way, you're not trying to sit in a room and watch TV. No. no. Yeah. Um, you do have to take stairs. Here's the thing, though. All of them, all freighters carry uh, less than twelve passengers. So there's not going to be a bunch of other people on there like there would be on a cruise ship. Really, less than twelve. Uh huh. Well, I guess when you look at uh, the area that that holds people, really, the, the you mm-hmm. know the either end of the ship, mm-hmm. they're not very big. You know, it's a small tower of of rooms, really, right? Right. And that's yeah. for the crew mostly. And you can also when you're when you're traveling, um, the busiest ports are places like Singapore, Hong Kong. You know, the like the top. The top half of the ten busiest ports mm-hmm. are in uh, Eastern Asia, which means it's e- it's pretty easy to get a ride there because there's always someone on the way there or back. Okay, um, but also Germany, uh, the Netherlands, the uh, United Arab Emirates, and of course, L.A. Really? Uh huh. Okay. Los Angeles. So, so really, you could you really could do you could do an around the world cruise, couldn't you? Uh, yes. You if could. If you wanted and, to, yeah. Uh, but that would take a significant amount of time, It would right? take a very long we, time. We've hinted at how long this takes, haven't we? Have we, have we gone right out and said how much uh, time it takes? Um, because I've got a number here that I that I found. I I hesitate to read it. It's a long time. You you know what? You know what, buddy? You you should read it, but let me, before anybody gets scared, yeah. let, me, let me just do a caveat here. It's, it's a little different because... These aren't like cruise ships. Their job is not to just transport people from a resort to another resort. Yeah. They're, they're transporting cargo. And one of the advantages is that you can basically pay for a passage from one port to any other port. You can segment your trip. Mm-hmm. Um, another advantage maybe is that it gives you, it gives you a, a really cool psychological experience or something with, mm-hmm. uh, flexibility and patience because Again, the cargo is more important than your schedule if you are a passenger on these ships, sure. which means it can take quite a long time. I mean, we're talking about margins of error of, you know, more than a week. Wow. If you're supposed to, you know, if you're supposed to be somewhere in August, by August 15th or something, it could easily end up being August 23rd. Okay. Before you get back. So. All right. So th- these are, you're not talking about a few hours off on schedule. No, you're talking about like a layover. Weeks, if not longer that you could be off i think it's time to do the number because you know like well, the fastest you could ever take a trip would be probably five weeks but the average is wow. higher wow so you got to have a, a significant amount of time set aside for doing this yeah and when you think about it i mean you said around 80 to 100 dollars a day 120 dollars, something like that right oh yeah something like 100, that. Right? 150 would be the upper but limit. if you're talking about a a trip that lasts 40 or 50 days yeah that's a lot of money really and that's the number. Yeah. So, but you're you're paying for maybe that seclusion, that uh, that experience, that life experience, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, interesting because I, I I read somewhere that it said that if you wanted to take an around the world trip, yeah, eighty to one hundred days is about what you can bargain on. Wow. So it may take as it's long like, as one hundred days. It may take who knows? It may take one hundred and fifty. Mm-hmm. You just never know. So that's like a minimum um, cost of eight grand. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Minimum. So <laughs> and, and and no shuffleboard tournaments. 
Oh, man. We've been trying so hard to get away from the annual House Stuff Works <laughs> shuffleboard tournament. No, you know what I mean. Like it's it's not uh, there's not a cruise director that's telling you that you know, mm. hey, they're having the midnight buffet up on the uh, the main deck. The secret buffet. Right? Probably no water slides. Probably not. No pools. They're not supposed to be water slides. So I wouldn't pools. think so. That means there's something wrong with the ship. <laughs> yeah, actually, okay. gotcha. Um, gotcha. But you know, uh, you can't take your pet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also not. Uh, you cannot work. There are legal restrictions. Can you go down and look at the engines? You can go to the engine room. I would do that. You can totally do that. Um, you can meet some very – the crew is usually international. Um, we're talking about uh, pros from all around, often from other places of ports of call. Mm-hmm. Um, you can buy a bunch of stuff while you're there if you want, you know, the necessities. Um, Could you travel with your cargo? Yes. So you could uh, So you could pack up your uh, your vintage Ferrari – Ship it across the ocean and ride right along with it. And make sure that it arrives at its port safely. If you wish to, yes. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. Fair enough. Until totally do that. And um, let's see the layovers when they land in a port. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to be more than twenty four hours. Um, but some people said they, you know, there's a great, there's a great, uh, there's a wealth of anecdotes about people who have just had to roll with the punches while they're doing this. I see. Could they? Could mm-hmm. they? Exit the ship uh, after they land, and then and then miss that ship leaving, and then and then get on the next freighter that comes in that's going to wherever they're headed to. Uh, Let's not say they're supposed to happen, but possible <laughs> probably okay, I'm hit, has. Happened. I'm hitting you with a bunch of questions that you had no. No, idea. no, I'm I'm, I'm yeah. rolling with it. Interesting. Now this sounds like a really cool way to travel. I think it's uh, I think it's you got to go before you're eighty. Before what? Before you're eighty years before old. You're eighty. The cutoff is eighty. Really? Yeah, you got to be older than five. So okay. between five and eighty, five and seventy-nine, I guess. Reasonable. Yeah. Um, pregnant women usually are not allowed because there's uh, the medical care there is just not. You know, you're in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'll be honest with you. The way I, the reason I would like to travel this way is because I could use that quiet time, man. You know, I'm pretty on edge. Sure. I got a lot this, of tape dispensers to fill around here. I God, they're, they're killing me. I know they're killing me with these tape shipments. <laughs> um, so, okay, if you want to, let's say somebody wants to do this. Well, you want to know how you do it. It's so easy. Just go online and look up the, uh, just Google it, seriously, and check about how you could, uh, which companies you want to work with. Where, where do you want to go? So you talk to the shipping companies, not necessarily like a, uh, a cruise, um, like an organizer of any kind, a, a travel agent then? No, you do have to talk to a travel agent. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, most of them don't do it, hmm, but okay. uh, you have to you have to go with a pro on this. Okay. Um, and then the question is, what kind of ship do you want to go on? Uh, so let's say the the guy who has written a lot of the stuff I was reading, he says that he prefers the smaller container ships because being on a large ship is like being on a cruise ship. The Handy Max. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I remember. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, yeah. and uh, the problem is there's um, the problem is just what we were talking about earlier. When you're on a really big ship, you don't feel it's so stable unless there's actually a storm because of the size. So you don't maybe feel as much as That's as though you're on the ocean. Well, this is this comes down to personal preference. Oh, okay, you know gotcha. what I mean, um, I think some people would prefer that. Yes, big ship. Oh, it doesn't have the uh, the stabilizers, but. It's got so much weight behind it that you may not need it, right? Yes. Cool. That's 
that's kind of so then when you're on the dance floor it's not really like you're you're falling over the person that's next to you right right oh the 11 other people there unless yeah. you dance with the crew that's right um so i think that uh this this is obviously not for everyone uh but it is something that's you know a little bit off the beaten path mm-hmm. it's a little bit fun and it isn't uh it is not high speed it is though an an adventure. We've talked about riding trains before. One of the best things about riding a train is that you can uh, see parts of the country that you would not normally see. Yeah, exactly. And this is just a uh, quiet reflection time, I guess, if you want to call it that. Really, you've got you got all the opportunity to, you said, like you said, write you know that great American novel that you yeah. wanted to write, or great um, great New Zealand novel, or yeah, great wherever well, exactly. Yeah. Was from. You know what I meant? Great insert country here yeah, novel. <laughs> exactly. Uh, just do Scott and I a favor. Uh, or do Scott and me a favor. Don't, uh, don't get on that ship and then write a story about a guy taking a ride on a cargo ship to write his story. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That happens. There is, I'm going to take it down a little bit before we go out. Oh, okay. You know that there's been what they call in the U.S. the Great Recession. Yeah. Um, this has really affected the global trade network. So some of these cargo ships are not in demand as much as they were. Mm-hmm. Guess what they're doing with them? Huge ships, right? Yeah. They're are- destroying them. Really? Uh-huh. They're, um, let's see, this comes from, uh, let's see, this comes from a couple of people, traced it to a guy named uh, Paul uh, Kedrosky, uh blogger out there on the internet. Okay. Um, so we've seen uh, container ships being sent off to scrapyards. And some of the biggest scrapyards are in India and yeah. Bangladesh. Well, I've seen that one. Yeah, you've seen pictures yeah, of I've that, seen right? That. Yeah, it's that incredible. Huge, it, how did they get it out there? It's you an know? incredible scrapyard. Mm-hmm. Now, but the thing is, Ben, are they, mm-hmm. are they doing that? You're saying that they're scrapping more ships than they have in the past because there's just less demand right now? Right, destroying wow. the, the capacity because um, part of it is that – let's see. Here's, here's something in the article I think sounds really good. Uh, they, they put it in context um, – in 2009, the year of 2009, uh, container ship capacity, there was, there was so much container ship capacity destroyed uh, that it is comparable to the amount of containers that went through Oakland annually in the 1960s when it was the largest port in the world. Wow. So over one year, wow. that's, that's how much we're killing it. Um, I don't think that this – Ability or this this kind of opportunity will ever go out of style, but it might get a little more difficult as we see more international travel restrictions, mm-hmm. which is going to be one of the things that that really could uh, that really could kill it here. Um, oh, good point. Yeah, I didn't yeah. even think of that. I was thinking that when you're saying that, um, you know, with less shipping going on, I thought maybe it would be easier to get on a on a boat, but um, not the case. I guess they're just not available. It's kind of a it's kind of a gray area. We have to. It depends on how the economy goes and uh, how international security goes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I I just think it would be awesome. I guess I always thought it'd be fun to be a stowaway on a ship. So man. you would definitely do this. Then. Oh, are you kidding? Uh, I'm going to. Are you? Not soon. <laughs> but you will. In case my boss is listening, yeah, not I understand. tomorrow. <laughs> Jump on a slow boat to China, right? Yes, sir. Uh, what a, what a great name for my book. All right, yeah, about, sure. Yeah. You know, it's a um, so, yeah. Uh, just for a couple of specifics, like you know, we both got the information about the around the world visit, right? Yeah. Um, so, if you want to go to Germany from L.A., how about that? 
41 days. That's 41 of, days. That's actually one of the shorter ones. Wow. Too. Um, so we can assume it will be longer for oh, China. Oh, it's because you're traveling westward the whole way, right? Yes. Oh, okay. Right. Wait. No, no. You, you're circling around. Yeah, I think you're going through the Panama Canal. Oh, okay. Very good. All right. To, to cut through. So that Understood. would be on one of the smaller ones. Gotcha. 41 days. That's an awful long time. Man, I don't know. So I, I obviously you can tell I'm sold on this. Uh, would you do this? No. Just that easy. No, wow. I wouldn't. Yeah, no, I would, I would love to go uh, on a tour of a ship like that. Mm-hmm. I'd like to I'd like to see what it's all about. Maybe the uh, the lodgings, of course, and see what, you know. Mm-hmm. I, of course, I want to take a tour of that engine bay. I want to see what's going on down there. Yeah. But I don't think I would travel like this. It just seems too long to be away for me. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd have trouble giving up. I don't even see that's the thing. I would see it almost as giving up a month yeah. to get there. It's um, sort of got some appeal for me too. I, I like that's what you're saying. I like the uh, the thrill of getting there. You know the, uh, mm-hmm. the you know the, the travel is part of the adventure, of course. But sure. that's an awful long time. Um, I just don't see it because you're really on vacation. You're not working. Um, if you're if you're able to yeah. do something in the meantime, like write or um, mm-hmm. catch up on reading or you know whatever you need to do, sure. just uh, soul searching or whatever you want. to Or if do, you have a fine. career where you work during some parts of the year yeah. and have other parts off, yeah, I can understand like that. that. I, I totally understand that for some people, but uh, for me, it's just too long. If it was maybe a third of that time or maybe a, a quarter of that time, mm-hmm. I would do it. Those are, I don't know if I would be comfortable in the world where cargo boats went that. Fast. Yeah, if they're Those four, things are big. Four times as fast, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. A 1,200-foot freighter coming yeah. at you at uh, 40 miles an hour? I would I would totally do it um, on the off chance that I could visit a deserted island. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, maybe this might be the last time we talk to each other, man. I'm <laughs> well, giving up kinda, the tape game, Scott. It's kind of sad. <sighs> yeah, we have, to, we have to take it up. We have to kick uh, it up uh, a notch. Uh, let's, let's do um, – I've got it. Yep. Let's do some listener mail. Sounds good. All right, Scott, Brian writes in to us, and Brian is from the Internet, unless we see something here. Okay, Brian from the Internet. He says, I just listened to your hand control podcast, and it reminded me of my days as a valet. I parked several cars with modifications for disabled folks. Primarily, the biggest worry was not banging knees and elbows on the mechanical devices. Also, if you tried to use the pedals, you could push a bar to the brake at the same time as the gas. But overall, they were pretty easy to drive, at least on low traffic streets and parking lots. You also mentioned seats uh, that move to the occupant. Some cars move the seat back and down when put in park. So when a petite woman pulls up and gets out of the seat, it's in a nice, comfortable position. But as soon as the valet puts the car in gear, it literally crushes them as they desperately try to find the seat adjustment <laughs> buttons. Oh, very good. That's what I asked you if that happened to your dad. Because yeah. you said uh, your mom and dad had a vehicle that had this right yeah did i tell you uh yeah. he he just uh he fixed it um but for a while the lady that they had uh purchased vehicle from um when he started the car because he was using her key yeah it would say like hello goddess and then the <laughs> the seat would start to push like up and toward the steering oh, very column. good very good and then he'd have to manually bring it back right yeah can you imagine funny uh brian funny. um thanks for writing in man so, that's so that's brian uh, yeah. says it was harder to get in and out because he would knock his knees into the uh, mm. mechanics of the thing right yeah it sounds like actually that moving seat was more of a trouble uh was more troubling <laughs> yeah. than the hand controls i guess so yeah i wouldn't think so but um yeah hey, interesting interesting yeah. I, guess, I bet he got to drive a ton of uh Really interesting cars. You know what, man? I'll tell you. I bet valets know how to drive 
almost everything. I bet you're right. I bet you're right. I bet they know all the tricks of the uh, you know where the where the emergency brake is on every vehicle, and mm-hmm. you know, they don't reach for the wrong side of the steering column for the key on every vehicle. And oh uh, crap, I've got to apologize, man. I've got to apologize to this listener. Why is that? I forgot his name. Not not Brian, but there's another guy who wrote in who did who talked about being a valet and had some really actually cool specific tips. Oh okay. So uh, no, apologies we'll to, to you, my soon. friend. We'll get to that one soon. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, and right now what we need to get to is our Facebook. If you guys are on Facebook, it's this hip new internet thing that all the kids are doing, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's right. Uh, you know, Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. We Twitter, Twitter as well. We've got, got the blog. We've got a great blog. Uh, of course, we've got the website. We've got the website. Uh, really great auto articles. And if you do have an email uh, that you'd like to send to us, then maybe send us an email at carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at Viking.com.